Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, Mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, Mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Bell and Beyond. I'm so excited for this week because I really want to call this week Posterior Birth Awareness Week. We have two incredible stories of two women who had posterior births that flipped, changed, and ended completely differently. And I wanted to share with you how birth can be wild. You can make different decisions in birth that are best for you with your medical advice. Um, I've got two incredible ladies. They both just happen to be Pilates instructors that I've met along the way on my Pilates journey locally here in Sydney in the eastern suburbs. First up this week is going to be Lauren from Inner Glow Pilates. She's got a background in dance, a long history of Pilates teaching, and she's just launched Inner Glow Pilates, where she's found this new passion since the birth of her second child in C-section recovery and trauma recovery after birth and that one-on-one care that helps women get back on their feet, slow breathing, breath work, getting that core connection pelvic floor strength, making sure your follow-up appointments are great with your physio. And she's just a wealth of knowledge and care. She's gone on this incredible healing journey with her own C-section from her emergency C-section birth and how she's been healing emotionally and physically and even just treating her her surgery wounds. So you're actually going to love this. Lauren's second birth is wild. There's some funny moments in there, but basically she's just bringing an incredible wealth and acknowledgement and wisdom and honor to women that go through C-sections. And I don't think get honored enough because you are actually heroes. That level of surgery going seven layers deep into your abdominal muscle, you're literally cutting tissue, actually requires the most amount of recovery. It's incredible, nourishing foods, really thorough checkups, really slow recovery in terms of not lifting things. And she goes through all of that. And I think it's just going to really highlight for women out there that have gone through a C-section, like we see you, we hear you, you're amazing. Your birth is no less than a vaginal birth, whether you use drugs or not. You're actually having to recover from the most intense surgery that if that level of surgery happened in any other person, knee surgery, shoulder surgery would be treated very differently. So mamas, you are incredible and I hope that you love this episode. Hi, Lauren. Can you please share with us a little bit about yourself and your journey and what you do and a top mama tip? Hey guys, I'm super excited to be on here today. A little bit nervous as I've never done this before, but my name is Lauren. I am a Pilates instructor and also a pre and postnatal corrective exercise specialist. Um, I'm a mama of two. I have a four and a half little girl, Ayla, who is 
full on. I love her. She's very individual. And I also have a little three-month-old boy called Noah, who's three months today, actually. Um, so my top mama tip, something that I've learned in my first pregnancy and birth was join a mother's group. It is so, so important. We're really lucky in New South Wales because in our early childhood clinic, we get asked if we'd like to join a mother's group. I know a lot of my friends in Queensland didn't get asked. It's super important, especially on those lonely nights when you're up breastfeeding at like 2, 3 a.m. You have a WhatsApp group or a chat and other mamas are on there in your mum's group. And it is just it makes you feel like you're not alone. Um, especially in these days, you really need to like grow your village. I'm really lucky going in five years from my first mother's group. I'm still so close to so many of those mums. Um, they came to my wedding. Um, you know, we just chat all our ups and downs. Um, so that would be my top tip. Um, is definitely find a mother's group, just join them. Don't be nervous. Everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's going through the same emotions and it will just really help you as a mama going through this crazy ride. I can totally relate to that because I didn't get a mum's group because of COVID. They wanted me to do like the Zoom thing and I was like, oh, oh. COVID, Zoom and technology when I'm a new mum, I can barely even like call my friends. And I then got to a point, I think it was like around six to eight months where I was like, oh my gosh, he's so active. He really wants friends. So I kind of go down to the park looking for people. And then I kind of felt awkward joining a mum's group later on. I was like, what should I do? And I was like, this is why you join from the start. This is why you just get into a group, do the year with the mum. And the other thing I found out was my friends, babies like a month or two behind me or ahead of me actually were at totally different stages. And when I'd reach out to talk to them, they either had forgotten because it's just like hectic or oh, they're not completely. there yet so they can't relate. And I was like, this is why you're meant to like hang out with mums that have babies like literally the same week that your baby's born yes. because you then you do all the developmentals together. Definitely. And look, I joined a second time mums group this time with Noah. And again, it's so great because we're all second time mums and it's a game changer compared to the first time because you're dealing with different emotions of your firstborn and the struggles and it's so good. Like I can remember the first meetup and mum came up to me, she goes, I don't even know my name. I'm on my third coffee. And it's so true because there's no hiding it. Like everyone knows it's brutal and we're just, we're in it together. So yeah, definitely first time mums, second time mums, third time mums, just try and find a mums group. I know um, there was an app that I told my friend in Queensland years ago, I don't know if it's still there, called Mush. And we kind of called it like a mama, mama's Tinder to find mums groups. <laughs> and she did, she went on it and she messaged me a few weeks later and went, I've met three mums on this and put myself oh. out there. And she's still friends with them four years later. So Definitely, guys, like if you're feeling isolated, there's so many other mums out there. There's Facebook groups, especially in the eastern suburbs where we are. Just go and put yourself out there because trust me, there's going to be another mama that needs someone to talk to and have a coffee with and talk about the hard times. So, yeah, definitely. That's so true. I love that. Okay, so you've got two kids and 
after obviously knowing you for a while and hearing your birth story the other day, your two births actually completely different. Yeah, <laughs> went so different. really differently. <laughs> this is why I've asked you to come on and share because I don't think there's necessarily enough awareness around posterior births and also the different ways posterior births can go and the recoveries from that and being in your particular field of work you're passionate about the body and you love body recovery and nurturing yourself yeah so I'd love it if you could share with everyone your birth story while kind of intertwining the difference between your first birth with Ayla and your second with Noah and just share a little bit of your wisdom and your learnings from these experiences. So start from the beginning. So I will dive in very quickly to my first birth. So I actually moved to Sydney 37 weeks pregnant. So I didn't have a midwife group. Me and my husband went in really blind. You know, we're very, very chilled people. We're like, yeah, we'll have a baby. We don't need a prep. I had Ayla at the Royal Women's, which I, amazing hospital. I went in there thinking, yeah, you know, I've heard so many birth stories, you know, quick birth stories was in my head. I was like, yep, I'm just going to have a very quick push it out. I couldn't have been more wrong. So I had with Ayla a 32-hour labor. She was posterior, so back-to-back. It was very painful. Um, I didn't get an epidural till 24 hours after intense posterior labor. Um, She ended up coming out, but it was very traumatic. It was forceps. There was a episiotomy. you know, it was, it was brutal. I had my sister-in-law in the birth room at the time. She was younger. She hadn't had children. And she still to this day says she'll never get the scream I let out when the forceps came. Um, and two kids later, she refused to have forceps just because of the trauma that they're scary. They're really scary looking, you know, they're horrible. Um, so yeah, that was my first one, which really, um, put a trigger to kind of, you know, dive a little bit deeper into, you know, prepping for birth. So after I had Ayla, I became a Pilates instructor. I am actually grew up dancing since a very young age. So Pilates has been ingrained in me since I was about 10 years old for core activation. Also, I went through a few ankle reconstructions. Um, So it's always something that sat with me and I've had a huge passion for. So after I had Ayla, I actually took the dive and became a Pilates instructor. Um, Then that passion grew more into postnatal care in Pilates after seeing what a body goes through is just amazing. Um, So when I became pregnant with Noah, that was four, nearly four and a half years later. You know, I do not have good pregnancies. I'm not a good pregnant person. I have severe morning sickness. With Noah, I had it up to 40 weeks. So I'm going to dive into Noah's birth story. So I was very, very petrified to have another posterior birth. Every time I went to a midwife, I spoke to them, you know, I don't want a posterior birth. I really, you know, 
need to see if there's anything I can do to change this. And I found a thing called Spinning Babies. Uh, You can YouTube it. A lot of the older midwives will tell you about this. So coming into like 37, 38 weeks, I did a lot of spinning babies. So a lot of birth balls, you know, cat cows, hip rotations. There's even one where (laughs) you sit upside down on the couch. So that was very fun when my husband's trying to hold my legs up and I have a huge belly. Now, for people that don't know me, I'm very short. I am five foot and I had a huge belly with Noah. (laughs) I felt like you could get a pin and nearly pop this stomach. So (laughs) I went all the way to 41 weeks with him and I was over it. I was actually booked in to be induced on 41 and 1. And I'm very lucky the night before my waters actually broke then because I really, I just had a feeling I just didn't want to get induced. There's nothing wrong about inducing. I just didn't sit right with me at the time. There was, I just had a feeling that, you know, he was very big. I just had a feeling it was going to be a tricky birth. So I was really excited when my waters broke. My husband wasn't because he had just put chicken wings in the oven. (laughs) He was very angry when I yelled out, my waters broke. And I, second baby, they do tell you to get to the hospital a lot quicker. Look, I had a 32-hour birth the first time. We were not rushed into that hospital. I'm very lucky I live about three minutes away. So I just said, don't worry, let's have the chicken wings. I was really lucky my friend who was coming over to look after my daughter lives 45 minutes away. So she was in the car straight away. Bless her socks. Everything was ready. So we knew we had a good 45 minutes. So we sat here. We had our chicken wings. I was going through contractions. They came on quick and fast. I ate because in Ayla's birth, I was starving. By the time my friend got here to look after Ayla, we weren't even counting the minutes between contractions just because we had in our head, oh, we got 32 hours. My friend started counting them and she started yelling at Luke to get me in the car because they were two minutes apart. So by the time I got into the hospital, you know, I want to do a thing, you know, everything a little bit different. I asked if there was a birthing pool because I didn't get a water birth the first time. Thought I'd give it a try. They had one ready, which was amazing. I got in there. They asked for my birth plan and I was very direct this time. I think it was because this was my second. I knew what I was in for. And don't be, even on your first, don't be scared to tell the midwife's what you want and how you're feeling, you know, ask the questions if you need to. So I just said to them, you know, I don't want to have a posterior birth. Now with a posterior birth, sometimes you don't dilate as quick quick as you think. So some midwives are really, um, they don't check your dilation or tell you because it can really put you off the labor because perfect example, my first, I got to 24 hours and I was, I didn't dilate hardly, I think I dilated one centimeter and it was, it was just devastating after I thought my baby was on the way and it wasn't. So this time I made sure when I said to, when I asked to say, you know, check me, tell me if I'm dilated, tell me, don't lie to me and say, no, we'll check you later. I also said, you know, 
if he flips, I want to know if he's posterior. So they checked me straight away. I was three centimeters and he was facing the right way. So we were all ready for this. Had my music on, got in the pool, you know, started laboring. I actually hated, hated being in the pool, was not my vibe. So I got out really quickly. Another thing with a posterior birth they say not to lay down. Now, if anyone has had a posterior birth, all you want to do is lay and curl up into a ball. So that was another thing I made sure with my husband and also the midwives that I was standing or I was squatting or in a four point kneeling and trying to keep me off the bed. And they did that so well. Every time I tried to crawl onto the bed, my hubby would pull me back. So I labored probably in the hospital going on about three hours and I did a really strong contraction, which actually made me vomit. Um, And I yelled out to my midwife and my husband, he's turned and they're like, oh no, I don't think so. And there was just something I said, you need to check me right now. And the midwife, she did, she checked me, she looked at my husband And she looked at me and she said, yeah, you're right. He's turned to posterior. So here's me thinking in my head, you little shit. (laughs) Now babies can flip. That's what they do. So the midwives will tell you this. Babies can flip back. Um, So we made a deal with the midwife before I got an epidural to go through a few more contractions with And I was completely happy with that. I said, you know what, as long as I know I'm not waiting 24 hours, you know, we're three hours in. So by the time we did about three or four more contractions, you know, I was really pushing into my back. I was pushing on my bladder. I, it, it was not a nice experience. I thought my baby was coming, but you know, I wasn't dilated. I was still at three centimeters, the same as what I came in at the hospital. So by the time that epidural came, I got the epidural. Now, my hubby passed out in the first, my first labor when I got the epidural. So we made sure he was sitting down this time. And then I could actually relax once I got the epidural. I felt like, you know, I could start to regather my thoughts. You know, I knew I could have a bit of a rest from pushing so hard, you know, and get out of that that bad negative mindset, you know, that it is going to be a posterior birth. Like I know babies can flip. So I really needed to get out of that headspace. Um, so it was really good because I got to relax. Now, this is when things started to change. We had a little nap and then a lot of midwives came into the room at probably about half an hour after they left me and my husband, you know, just to relax and things, they told my husband to start slowly taking my jewelry off. They started flipping me side to side. Then they looked at both my husband and I, and they said, look, we've got to press an emergency button. Things are going to move very quickly and it's going to be scary, but everything's okay. I was obviously, you know, still on a little bit of the gas and the epidural. So I was a bit out of it, not sure sure what was going on, but I was being rushed for emergency C-section. So emergency C-sections, they happen quick and fast. I was in that operating theater very quickly. Luckily, I already had the epidural because then they just had to spinal block me. I was shaking. I was very frightened. 
um, because I didn't know what was going on. There Mm. was a lot of talk of loss of blood. There was a lot of talk of heart rates dropping before they could actually explain what was happening just because they had to get me prepped ready to emergency C-section. So what actually happened, once they got everything prepped, they slowed down, they apologised and they explained to me why they needed to get me into that operating theatre so quickly. So I had a thing called a placenta abruption. Now there was blood coming out of my catheter and my bub's heart rate dropped for seven minutes. So it was scary. Um, So we were prepped. Uh, Luckily, my bub's heart rate came up and this is why they could slow everything down. And I asked the questions, you know, I said, you know, okay, is my baby going to be okay? Can we, you know, what's, what's the pros and cons of getting this baby out now? You know, you'll hear a lot, you know, as long as your baby's safe, but you've got to remember you're also in this birth. So as long as you're safe as well and you feel secure and confident. So they explained to me I had the option why Bub's heart rate came up to actually start pushing to get him out. Now, I struggled to get Ayla out. I'm very small. Um, So I made the decision no to go and get the C-section straight away to get my bub out safely. Um, and they did. They they had me prepped with this old midwife yelling at my husband, get over here. You know, your bub's going to be here. Get your phone out. He was shocked. He was white as a ghost. Um, it is so quick. I reckon I had my baby on my chest in 10 minutes maybe. And I was so thankful the midwives came up to me and they said they made the best decision. I birthed a 3.7 kilo baby. Now my first was three kilos. So I would have very, I would have really struggled to get a 3.7 baby out of, out of my JJ. So that is that with a C-section. So I got to hold my bub. They took him away. They stitched me up. You know, they spoke to me about if I did want to go a third. And I was like, hey, girlfriend, no, I am done. And you were stitching me up right now talking about a third. No way. And they were laughing, saying, you will be surprised how many people say that. Um, Now I'm going to go dive into a little bit about C-sections, especially emergency C-sections. So now I've birthed both vaginal and C-section. I found it really challenging, especially um, coming into the ward and not being able to pick my baby up. So you haven't just gone through birthing a baby, you've actually gone through major abdominal surgery. So in a C-section, they are cutting through seven layers of tissue. So you are in a huge recovery, not just from birthing and laboring. Laboring is intense. Your body is hurting from head to toe. And then you're going to add in a huge abdominal surgery. So this is huge for one, you know, I'm really lucky. I had studied a lot. Nothing had compared me to what I, my body was going through. So it was really hard to pick your baby up, um, you know, just to sit up, little things. Um, so I spent four days in hospital, you know, 
you know, really just trying to rest, use the midwife's mums out there. I rung that midwife bell so many times. They're there to help you. Um, I think in the fir- my first birth, I didn't realise as much. I kind of tried to do everything myself. And this time I was like, no, you know, I need help trying to breastfeed. I need help to try and, you know, get my baby to latch. I need help to get someone to pass me the baby. I'm not going to be a hero and try and sit up. So definitely use those midwives. At, that's They're there to help guys. And, you know, that's, that's also a mama tip. Yeah, use that button. They're not going to get annoyed. I might have got a few eye rolls, but I was totally fine with that. <laughs> so C-section recovery. Now, I was really lucky this time I read a beautiful book. Now, this is also a great gift if you have anyone pregnant. It is called The First 40 Days. Now, it's all about nourishing the mother. Um, This day and age, we're all about the baby, the baby's health. How's the baby doing? Not many people dive in about how's the mum doing? Um, You know, we're expected to have a baby and go out the next day and socialise and, you know, this is where it should go back to, you know, back in the old days where the mum stays at home and rests and nourishes her body with, you know, foods, broths, everything. So I was really lucky to put myself in this mindset that I didn't need to rush and especially having this C-section, you know, it really made me feel like I could stay home. You know, it's really hard. I guess we're in Sydney. We live in an apartment. So you do get a little bit of cabin fever. Um, But just going for little walks, you don't need to go and meet people for coffee two days after you've had a baby. Vaginal or C-section, rest, take this time to really bond with your baby. You know, I was really lucky. I had beautiful, a beautiful village around. Again, like I said, we don't have family in Sydney. I had friends dropping meals over. We prepped a lot of meals and a lot of broths. We had people helping out with Ayla, you know, and I wasn't scared to say, no, I'm okay. I said, yeah, can you help? Yeah, can you drop this over? Because it was just the rest period and just really I was just bonding with my baby. So definitely let yourself heal, guys. There's the one thing especially I absolutely hate is this six weeks. You know, your six weeks checkup, everyone thinks, okay, when I get to my six weeks, I'm healed. You're not your body takes time. Everyone heals in different kind of ways. So just relax, trying to keep off social media, especially if it's triggering you. If you see someone exercising and doing a a CrossFit workout, like straight postpartum, just listen to your body, relax. There's no rush. This is my biggest thing. This is my biggest lesson, um, especially in my second birth and postnatal you know I'm I'm 12 weeks postnatal Caesar and I'm still resting my body because I'm not ready and I'm a Pilates instructor you know I'm doing a lot of rehab exercises but I'm not rushing out to exercise right away um so this is a huge thing I'm diving into is about people's rest periods um 
you know, like six, six weeks. Yeah. Some people could feel amazing, but other people might not. And it just might take a little bit more time and that's okay. Um, don't you agree, Katie? Yeah. I feel like can't even stand the advertisements that are coming up all over my Instagram about weight loss for moms and how to get your body back. Like just the message around bouncing back quickly. I think it's. And I I absolutely hate that saying bounce back. Like it is, it just puts mums in such a bad mindset. And, you know, we've got hormones flying through the air, you know, especially if you're breastfeeding and, you know, then you're seeing these advertising saying bounce back, get your your pre-baby body. I can tell you, you're not going back to that pre-baby body in six weeks. Like, just try and accept it. It's okay to miss it. It's okay to have those meltdowns because if we don't, we're not human. But definitely just try and nourish yourself and your body's just gone through this crazy ride. Um, Yeah, and it's just not about bouncing back. It's really about just strengthening and getting ready for motherhood as well. Just want to take a quick ad break. I mean, how awesome is Lauren? Like her journey and the way that she is about to transition into her like emergency C-section has transformed the way that she wants to move forward in her own career path and supporting other women and seeing other women nurture and look after themselves after what is a massive surgery. And mums, if you've been through that, honestly, you're my hero. You are courageous, you are strong, you're empowered, you're amazing, and what you've gone through is absolutely next level. So just because it wasn't that vaginal birth, and I know there can be stigma around that, you're an amazing woman and you're doing an incredible job and you're an amazing mum. But I just wanted to highlight the fact that all of these beautiful awareness around nurturing ourselves after birth and looking ourselves after birth and looking after our C-section scar and getting that follow-up appointment with the physio is just a level of our health journey. And there's so much more as well that we can be creating in terms of the environment that we live in. And I have an incredible ebook called How to Detox Your Home in Seven Days. And they're really simple ways, like taking your shoes off at the front door, that can reduce the chemical load in our home and create the atmosphere and ambience that we want as a mom with small children or a brand new baby. So download that free resource. You can either grab it in the show notes or you can jump over to bellyandbeyond underscore on Instagram and the link is in my bio. You're going to absolutely feel so empowered around these really simple ways as a mum to be detoxing and reducing that toxic load in your home and creating the environment and atmosphere that you so desire, as well as thinking about the cleaning products that you're using, thinking about what baby products you're using, thinking about what your family is coming in contact with. I truly believe that the mother is the gatekeeper of the home and dads totally step into that role too. But generally, most of the moms are doing the shopping or choosing what products to buy or doing the research. So the power is in your hands to impact your family and create the legacy that you desire. So I'd love you to jump in and grab that free resource. It's so my heart and soul for motherhood and for the rest of your journey. Let's get right back into hearing the rest from Lauren. Lauren. 
What do you feel like has been the absolute benefit of you also mentally preparing and what other girls can do to mentally prepare and practically prepare for in terms of a C-section? So I remember you telling me the other day, um, you know, when there was that moment with the midwife, if you're going to proceed with the C-section, you instantly went into like action mode. You were like, how long can my hubby take off work? Who's going to be able to help me? Who's going to be able to make food? And you started going through all the different variables what is something that like women out there and I recently did a podcast, she's like prepare for the best, but also prepare for the worst in terms of what, what's your plan B if you do have a situation like this? Like what are some of the things you think mums out there need to prepare for if a C-section does take place? Definitely. So what I like to call it, it's like planning your wet weather plan on your wedding day. Everyone has a backup plan. Um, you know, like I said, I went in blind with Ayla. Luckily, that didn't end up in emergency C-section. This time, no one prepares for emergency C-section, but I did prep for a worst case scenario. I spoke to my husband beforehand as well. You know, he's got a very different job, so t- sometimes he doesn't get time off work. So we we're really lucky that this time he was actually able to take up to a month off. Now, He originally planned for just the two weeks C-section. He knew he had to take the month off. So speak to your birth partner. You know, how much time can you take off? If they can't take enough time off, do you have a family member who can help out? Because those first six weeks, you cannot lift anything heavier than your baby. Um, You can't drive as well. So that's really challenging, especially like me. I've got another little girl I've got to look after. I had to get her to kindy drop-offs. So I was lucky a friend offered to do pickups and drop-offs for us when we needed, especially, you know, my hubby went back to work um, at that three and a half, four weeks. So I still had two weeks of pickup drop-offs. So just try and plan ahead, Um, get your village prepared, you know, just say, hey guys, you know, just in case something happens and I need help, would you be prepared to help me? Um, I had to fly my dad down for a week as well, just to help, help around the house. You can't, I tried to pick up a load of washing silly enough, like four days after my C-section when I got home, not for the pure fact that I needed to, it's just, I, I just, it's a... A normal thing as a, as you know, you're walking around your house and you're like, oh, just pick that up. You can't like the pain that you have is just excruciating. Um, so yeah, definitely try and plan for that. Um, prep, prep food. Once again, didn't do it my first birth, do it like when you've got those few extra weeks of mat leave before bubs arrive. Um, Bone broth, super easy to make. Um, You can buy really great ones out there as well. Just pop them all in the freezer. Um, Big soups, something really easy that you or your birth partner can just grab them. Grab them out of the freezer, defrost them, um, have everything stocked up. Um, Another huge one, when you have babies, um, you know, everyone brings wants to bring the bub something or a bunch of flowers maybe just ask them to bring you a meal. <laughs> I know it's old yes. school, but yes. that's what we need. <laughs> you Literally. know, I had I had a lovely friends come over and they just messaged us saying, hey, we're coming to cook you guys dinner. 
don't lift a finger and they came and cooked amazing meal and you know they did all the washing up and it was that's better than a bunch of flowers trust me especially when you've got a two a newborn and a toddler like just to sit down and have someone cook for you is so good so they would be my top preps to just just to have a think about especially bring the conversation up with your birth partner about it just saying okay this is you know what could happen let's have a chat about it I love that. And I think getting into the mindset, like the key word that keeps coming up is actually healing and learning what it is that the body needs to heal. You've obviously said rest, not lifting, getting support. You've mentioned broth. And when I was talking to a lady called Renee about postpartum care, you know, she was talking about for C-sections, you want gelatinous food, you want healing food because of those seven layers of tissue that have now been torn they actually need to heal back and one of the best ways to do that is with food and she was talking about different blood loss like you need your vitamin b your vitamin a your zinc protein all of that muscle repair healing like that's not really necessarily the stuff that you think about but if you have prepared foods around that healing mentality that is going to like your body is going to benefit from that so much. I loved watching you going through um, the first 40 days and watching all the things you were eating and like slow cooked and nourishing things. And I was like, that's literally, that's literally it. Like that is preparation. Like yeah, thinking about you know, it things. Was, I'm not a cook and these meals are so easy. Like congee. <laughs> it's just rice. <laughs> like, and, and lots of broth. <laughs> lots of broth. Like it's so easy to make. And especially like, and just chuck it in the freezer. Um, the one thing, especially after emergency C-section and a C- planned C-section, like you said, there's there can be a lot of blood loss. Um, you've got an open wound. You want warm, soft food on your stomach you don't want to eat a cold crispy salad you want really gut healing warm lukewarm food try not to drink ice cold water just have you know room temperature water anything that's just think about a big hug (laughs) something really warm that's what your stomach needs to heal you know just really warm soft meals in those first few weeks that's all I kind of had like lots of broths lots of congees lots of warm foods um just think even if you're not into that like sweet potatoes just kind of things like this that just can really warm your body up and again so easy to prep And I love that you also had on your Instagram, it was a repost from someone, but there's this, and I've seen quite a few different people now talking about this because I think there's really great awareness around C-section recovery for the emotional side, but also the physical side. And I loved the post that you reshared about a knee surgery in comparison to a C-section surgery. And when other people undergo this level of surgery that's needing this level of healing, there's physio follow-ups, there's all these appointments, there's doctors are really checking in on you. There's this extreme amount of care and making sure you're mobile and strengthening and moving again. And literally when you get a C-section, it's like a six-week checkup, they don't eat. Sometimes a GP doesn't even, which I know you're going to go into, doesn't even look at your scar, doesn't even look at your belly, doesn't even press your belly, doesn't even 
check your mobility. Like girls don't even know that they should probably go to a physio. It's so interesting. And I think quite typical of women, you know, go through certain processes in life and just get discarded to the side. But if someone else, a male went in for knee surgery, it'd be like, oh, how Mary, like everyone's making sure that that knee surgery is amazing, but it's actually literally the same level of care that's needed for C-sections. And the person with the knee surgery doesn't necessarily just have a newborn baby and learning to breastfeed and listening to crying and trying to navigate this new little person in their marriage. Like it's actually really full on. Share about that because I know you're really passionate. I was very shocked in the quick um, information I was given in the hospital. The only information I was kind of given for my recovery was stay on your painkillers. I will admit, stay on your painkillers. Don't be a hero. I tried that. I tried to wean off my painkillers when I got home just because I don't really like painkillers. Yeah, not a good idea. When they say to stay on them, there's a <laughs> yeah, there's a reason. So definitely take that advice for sure. Yeah, not to drive for six weeks, not to pick anything up heavier than your baby. Now, that's really hard when you've got another kid, um, especially if you've got like a two-year-old that still wants to cuddle and be picked up. Um, that's all I was kind of given. And I was really shocked. I wasn't referred to a physio. I wasn't referred to anything. You know, I have like three flights of stairs in my apartment. I could hardly walk for two days. I found that really, really challenging. And so I kept saying, you know, can I practice some stairs? Is there a physio that can come over so I can make sure I can get up the stairs before I get home and everything's working okay? And they kind of just brushed it off and they're like, yeah, no, you'll be fine in a few days. So I was very shocked. And then as most people know, you go to your GP for your six-week checkup. I went to my GP for my six-week checkup and I was asked, you know, quick, quick chat about my birth story, um, you know, and how my birth went then dive straight in. Now I have a great GP and I'm not dissing my GP whatsoever because this is along the board, you know, they're not physios. They're not women, you know, specialize in women's health. So then she dives straight into contraceptive methods. And also if I had sex yet, mate, I was six weeks. There's no way I was jumping my hubby anytime soon. That is for sure. I could it's almost insulting to ask that. It's like, what do you, do you not see that I could like literally rip my stitches open? Like it was, I was like, honey, I can't even walk longer than 15 minutes. And you're asking if I've jumped my hubby yet. I know it's all protocol, you know? And then she had a quick look at my scar. There was no touching of my stomach. She never touched my stomach, which I was really shocked with, especially I've, yeah, like we've spoken about, I've just had major surgery and she didn't even chat. She just quickly looked at my scar and went, yeah, it looks like it's healing great. Jump off the bed. You're fine to go back to exercise. Now, my doctor, my GP does know I am a Pilates instructor, so I'm hoping she just thought I would know what kind of exercise I can do you know they it's really hard like I couldn't even walk properly and to be told at six weeks yeah you're fine to exercise and I was also told you know oh you'll um bounce back really quick and you probably have already been exercising 
And I was very shocked at this comment. Like, you know, I am a very petite person and it's not about bouncing back. And no, I haven't exercised. Um, I was really shocked and especially like it wasn't explained what kind of exercise I could do. Mm. You know, I'm still in the healing. Like, could I go and do a CrossFit class tomorrow because I've reached this six weeks mark? Like, can I go and do a squat jumps or can I go for a 5K run? No, because my vagina probably would have hit the floor. So, <laughs> and this is why I just, I go on a lot to especially um, pre and postnatal. It's so important to see a women's health physio. So the week after my GP clearance, I went, I'd already pre-booked my women's health physio. Now, I still, I had, when I went in there, she sat there and listened to my whole birth story, which was fantastic. Then she looked and touched my scar. She asked if I'd been doing scar massage, which I'm going to dive deeper into a little bit later, um, and scar mobility work, and which, yes, I had been. So she also did a lot of scar massage with me. I had two centimetres ab separation still, and my pelvic floor was a two out of five grade. So I am not allowed to return to any hard hit workouts, no running yet because of my pelvic floor. And I'm still working with a little bit of ab separation. So Pilates, perfect, is fine. And just working through, you know, deep breathing and activating into your pelvic floor. Another thing with C-section mamas, um, especially emergency C-section, also planned C-section. I've also been told when I ask people in a mums and bubs group, you know, how's your pelvic floor recovering? I have had people say, oh, it's fine. I've had a C-section. That you see, that doesn't matter because you're you're growing this baby that's pushing so much onto your pelvic floor. So you still need to make sure that you're diving in and getting your pelvic floor checked. Um, they do do an internal examination to really see where it is, um, which, you know, it's sometimes it's really hard to kind of feel like, you know, my pelvic floor feels fine and it's still a two out of five. Um, so there's a huge difference. Um, so I highly, highly recommend both pre, I went to a women's health physio um, prenatal as well and also postnatal and I'm still going there. I go, I've done, I'm 12 weeks and I'm about to go to my third session to get my abscession separation check to get my pelvic floor checked to dive deeper into my skin um, my scar mobility as well so yeah there's it's just crazy that we've had these this surgery and a GP just goes yeah it's it's fine you're fine when it takes a lot longer than six weeks to recover so basically mum's really need to take things into their own hands and not just take the local GP's first glance look. And if you have had a C-section or a vaginal birth, just get the all clear, get the checkup, get the actual specifics on what you can and can't do, whether you're in pain or not. I'm even sitting here going, I actually never got the physio checkup. I mean, I'd always come into Pilates and talk to you guys about my ab separation and I kept doing some stretches with my chiropractor, but I never actually got a proper 
pelvic floor analysis and I'm like shit should I go and get one at one one year on and just make sure everything's okay do you know what Um, there's no time limit that's that's the one thing about postpartum there's no time limit and look I didn't do it with Ayla either you know I wasn't trained in this and because of the hospital just says go get your GP and this is where I just think our women's health system yeah, it really needs to change in this way because, you know, I know mums five, six years down the track and they're like, oh, yeah, I still wee when I run. And I'm like, that that's not normal. And they're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I've had kids. No, that's what we just think. No, this can be fixed. And that's why it's so important to really go get this checked because even if you think, yeah, I had a great birth, you know, and you start running, there's different, there's different grays of your pelvic floor. Like, so perfect example, when I went and got mine checked and it was the two out of five, she's like, this could have even been from your first birth, which was nearly five years ago because it was a posterior and I was pushing so much on my bladder. She goes, this could have even been from there. And I'm a Pilates instructor, you know, like I do a lot lot of pelvic floor exercises. So it's really interesting to think, you know, that could have, that damage could have come from five years ago that I just really hadn't picked up on. Whoa, that's (laughs) crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So there is a lot we can do. So I feel like we're so lucky that we do live in a country where we have actually have access to incredible people that are passionate about these things. There's great women's health physios all around the country. So it's fully accessible. Um, I love that. Can you, okay, I know that you're also something you're so passionate about. And this is actually something I haven't really heard that much about, but I have loved watching your journey is the way that you're actually massaging, using your hand, using different techniques from a physical level, like actually breaking down scar tissue. And I know that every woman out there wouldn't necessarily be loving the fact that they now have a scar and they would want practical ways to help reduce that scarring from like an aesthetic point of view. But then there's also the emotional side and the healing and the the scar could be really triggering for people. It could remind them of their birth or it could, you know, upset them emotionally because they didn't want that to happen or didn't look the way they wanted it to look or whatever. What are you doing practically to really help from those two point of views? So a huge, huge recovery from a C-section, especially emergency C-section, exactly what you said. There can be a lot of trauma that comes with a emergency C-section, you know, and this trauma might not come up for like a year later, um, you know, people have these birth plans and sometimes, you know, there's a lot of pressure, um, especially in these days, it's all about natural births. If you had a C-section, you've still given birth and you've, <laughs> you've done a surgery. Like I can tell you going through both, like the recovery and like, I'm so proud of myself, like to be able to have a baby, a newborn, a full surgery, major surgery and juggle motherhood. Like it's, it's a huge challenge. So mamas out there that feel like, you know, you didn't have a birth, you did, you've done a huge thing and be proud of yourself. You know, don't push it to the side. 
C-sections are a huge thing. So there's one thing that can really help. It's your scar massage. And a lot of people don't know about it. I did a poll on both of my Instagram pages just asking because I know a lot of friends and a lot of people out there that have had C-sections planned and emergency. And I think 80% said they've never heard of it. Which is crazy because I'm working with my physio who obviously does a lot of skin massage with me as well. Same, just really going for all the physios here. So women health physio. So in those first few weeks, the best time to kind of start a scar massage is about the six to eight week mark. So you need to wait till your scars fully healed. So yeah, do when you do see your GP, they'll check just to make sure it is healing correctly. Just because you do not want an open wound when you want to start touching it. Same thing, like usual, make sure your hands are nice and clean. And you're just going to slowly start to touch it. Now, people that have C-sections, they're, they're swollen and they're quite sore. So even in those first two weeks, I did a lot of just looking at the mirror at my, my scar and slowly touching it above. So I wasn't touching my scar because it was still healing and you might still have dressing wound, wound dressing on it. So just above your belly and just slowly, even when you're laying down in bed, just put your hands on your stomach and just slowly like feather light touch above your belly just to get that connection. And like you dived into, it could actually bring up a lot of emotions. It could bring up trauma. Um, so just just work with those emotions if it's too much and it is bringing up a lot of trauma, just stop. You know, there's no time limit in emotional healing um, is a huge thing as well. So don't feel like um, you need to do this and it's getting you really upset. Just take a moment, come back to it another day. Um, you know, also mums that didn't know about scar massage, it's never too late to start. You can do this years down the track. Um then once it is healed at that six to eight weeks, you're slowly starting to put a little bit of pressure, um, pressure on just drawing little circles and starting to just roll your fingers down. Um, there's, I'm going to pop up a great video on how to start doing some scar massage. So that will be on my Instagram probably by the time this is up. Just little basic, easy things. Um, I would say it takes about five minutes a day and probably do it maybe two or three, again, feel what your emotions are, listen into your body about two or three times a week at your own time. Um, so another thing that's really great about scar massage that people don't know, so the usual, like I've just spoken, can help heal birth trauma. Um, having that emotional emotional connection, you know, really loving your scar, looking at it, use a mirror. Um, it helps to decrease the numbness around and helps for the nerves to regrow. So I'm 12 weeks postpartum and, you know, my stomach's still quite numb and it feels weird. Like it does feel very strange. Anything. It's like, you know, when your arm goes to sleep and you touch it. So it kind of goes, oh, so, you know, just slowly touching it. Um, and it actually helps to prevent further pelvic health issues and also body pain. So it's all, your body's all connected together, um, you know, with the, that fascia and everything. It's been pulled together and stitched up. So, you know, slowly working this can really have benefits further down the line for your pelvic health. Wow. 
It's actually super, super cool. And I feel like that's the stuff that you should be told about when you get discharged from the hospital. Like it's not hard to say, hey, go home and look into doing some scar, you know, tissue massage. Check with your local women's health physio and your GP. Like it's not hard to even have like, I don't even know if they don't just have like a one-page document written up with like some great local like referrals or something like surely it can't be hard for the hospital to do that I think it was in France have now just introduced a free for postpartum women free I think it was four or maybe it was six sessions with a women's health physio for free through their health system everything come on Australia come on we can do this like you know, it's such a huge thing. You know, these are our bodies. We need to cherish them. We need to love them. The rest of our life, like, it's not okay to not feel your best. And no, suffer. exactly. Like, you don't want to be like, oh, I don't want to keep running because I'm going to wee myself. Or, you know, you want to start to feel good in your body and feel confident. Definitely. And that's why I'm absolutely so passionate and have, you know, taking my Pilates into this pre and postnatal world of the body. And, you know, I was really lucky with my emotional healing with my C-section. You know, it was traumatic. I'm not going to push that aside, but it was positive as well because I've learned so much about my body. I've learned what, what us as women, we go through. I was really lucky, I guess, that I can spin a positive vibe on an emergency C-section. And now as a result, (laughs) you have experienced both types of births. You can actually empathize with lots of different types of mums. And you actually now have a passion where you would love to support women one-on-one in their C-section recovery, which is like getting back to, you know, exercising, their mobility, just activating their core again, nice and slowly taking that time, making women feel heard and nurtured. Um, So tell us a little bit about your next steps. Yeah. So that's where I really want to dive into now with this passion is to really help pre and post mums and especially in their recovery period. And it is such a crazy, crazy time of our lives that we're we're in. And we just need to really be told, you know, it's okay to rest. It's okay not to exercise at six weeks. And just to slowly just start with breathing. I'm all about the breath work in those first few weeks of postpartum, just, you know, taking these deep breaths, 360 breathing patterns, you're actually activating into your lower core and your pelvic floor, just awakening everything up is huge. And yeah, working into mobility work with a scar, with a C-section as well, just trying to get back into that mobility, nice stretches working into your back because we're always huddled up bottle feeding or breastfeeding. So a few mums feel, especially not just after their first, but they might've gone to had three babies very close. And now they're at the point where they're like, I don't know how to get back into an exercise class because my, I feel like my body's so different now. And just to take that on and really listen, listen to them and see what they want to achieve. And yeah, so I'm just 
absolutely loving working with pregnant and postnatal and listening to their journeys as well. And it is like, look, at the end of the day, I am a Pilates instructor. I am in the fitness world. You'll know this as well. As a mum, we are lifting so many things. We are moving our bodies in weird, strange ways, you know, picking a baby up out of a cot at all hours when we're half asleep. So we do need to strengthen our bodies in the right way. We do need to get those arms going because I'm five foot, I'm lifting a capsule, which is pretty much nearly as heavy as I am. And I'm lugging it in and out of the car. I've got a five-year-old who hit her head the other day and I had to run and pick her up because she just wanted a mummy cuddle. So we really need to strengthen our bodies in a positive way to deal with motherhood. I think that's where I kind of want to go with my new adventure. Which is so exciting and I love that it's niche and it's focused and it's really going to see. So you're Sydney-based, your Instagram is Inner Glow Pilates. So if anyone yes. is on that part of their journey and they're really wanting that one-on-one nurturing first-time birth or first-time birth that didn't go like that and they want their second postpartum to be really different, they can jump over to your Instagram and they can reach out. If you've got any questions or you are recovering from a C-section you're just not sure or you haven't found the right advice, reach out to me, send me a message. I'm more than happy to answer any questions to my ability or I might go, hey, that's completely out of my reach, but, you know, here's someone that could help you and it doesn't go back to that, let's bounce back at six weeks and have a six-pack because it's not good mentally for us or emotionally or it's not good for our baby either at the end of the day. That's right. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. You've covered so many different aspects of C-section, preparing for C-sections, recovery, family support, like literally everything. It's been so amazing. I think you're, you know, I think you're awesome. You know, I love you. For having me. I am so excited. But yeah, reach out any questions. Good luck, my beautiful mamas out there. Bye. Bye, babe. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together. 